Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> the sun is out. I'm so excited. I know. I hear it's kind of nice outside. I haven't been outside yet today. Uh, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. I just made it to fly inside my house to my car and my car to your house. Oh, hilarious. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, nice. I haven't been outside a lot. Oh, I guess I walked onto the bus this morning, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's nice out. Nice. We might not need to take our vitamin D pill today. Oh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like double dose. Like, that, we don't have to double dose it today. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Are you very interested in our guest today? I'm, I'm very interested. Yeah. It's He's a gonna, bit of a celebrity. He is a bit of a celebrity. So we're going to be talking to Chris Work. And you might better know him as Chris Beats Cancer. Mm-hmm. And he was diagnosed with stage 3C colon cancer in 2003. And he has an enormous platform where he really talks about really anything holistic care. Right. Fasting. Care. Yeah. So before Juicing. we kind of yeah, before we kind of share more about Chris and introduce like what we're going to be talking about with him today, my question for you is do you think that you can heal cancer naturally? Oh, this is this is a loaded answer because I think when I was diagnosed Super loaded. I did not think so. But now you uh, but question now, that. But now I question that because I, you know, just everything that I've learned and interviews we've done here and Things that we've looked into, books we've read, I've read, you know, yeah. So you're kind of on the fence. You've gone, yeah, I, like now knowing you, I'm a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, we, what are you surprised about? What do you Well, mean? I was going to say, I'm surprised you did chemo. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because at the time I was in a different place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't know any different. This is life. Yeah, right. What about What about you? Because when you were diagnosed, was there any other question in your mind? I mean, there's always questions like mm-hmm. I I seriously questioned putting toxic drugs into my body mm-hmm. and what it was going to do to me long term. That was definitely a question. I think where I landed was I didn't have confidence that there was a professional out there mm-hmm. who could guide me down the path of any kind of holistic options. Mm-hmm. Like for me, <laughs> this, it, this is you and a, your trust thing. I would be like, yeah, anybody. No. <laughs> Oh my gosh. No, no. You got proven results? No. Good. I'll take you. No. And now, now, like you said, having met a lot of people and mm-hmm. just kind of looked at different studies and things, I'd be much more open to doing it. But when you're in that fight or flight and you're freaking out, there wasn't anybody that I trusted to even present that to me. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like where most patients find themselves. Like, yeah. nobody wants to pump themselves full of toxic drugs that no. are going to give them quality of life. Sign issues. me up for that. No. Right. <laughs> Yeah, nobody wants that, but it's like, what's the alternative out there? Yeah. We've talked about this in the past. It's kind of the wild, wild west. Yeah. And so, it's a great fear of the unknown. Right. Fear of the unknown. So today we're going to talk to Chris and because after surgery, he opted out of chemo and used nutrition and natural therapies to heal. Mm-hmm. And today he's healthy, strong and cancer free. So he has since become a best-selling author and he shares his experience and insights on how to heal or prevent cancer holistically on his website, crispycancer.com. So millions, I think, of patients read his books, his blog, his resources on nutrition, natural therapies that he's tried, hoping that they're going to get a similar result. Mm -hmm. 
So today we're going to talk to Chris about why he opted out of traditional treatment. How his doctors and family felt about his decision. Yeah, what he did instead. And then we're going to end on how he feels about the current medical system and what he thinks is missing in cancer care. Yeah, but before we introduce Chris, let's hear from our first sponsor. Ann's Bra Shop features skilled mastectomy fitters ready to assist you in selecting the perfect breast forms, bras, swimsuits, and camisoles for your post-surgery needs. They have three locations in the St. Louis area, Chesterfield and Winsville, Missouri, across the river in O'Fallon, Illinois, and a fourth location south on I-55 in Cape Girardeau. Visit Ann's Bra Shop at www.brashop.com to learn more. Well, welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for being here. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. Of course. You're a bit of a celebrity within the cancer circle, at least with patients anyway. <laughs> did you did you ever foresee this kind of notoriety when you decided to kind of take your own life in your hands? What is that, like 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's my 20-year anniversary is next week. Ooh, and, uh, that's a yeah, big deal. Yeah, that is a, a big deal. Pretty special. Yeah, pretty special milestone for me. And no, I didn't didn't have any master plan <laughs> 20 years ago of being uh, a well-known cancer survivor. Yeah. <laughs> you were you're in your 20s, correct? 26? I was 26. Okay. And stage 3C colon cancer. So I mean, you you yes. had what they call advanced disease. What what That's was your right. lifestyle like when you were diagnosed? Yeah, I mean, I've certainly done a lot of reflection and, you know, I talk about a lot of this in my first book, which is called Chris Beat Cancer, but at that time, I was living very fast. I was uh I was a hustler. I was <laughs> an entrepreneur. I was buying rental properties, fixing up houses, you know, managing tenants, and I was eating, you know, I was just eating on the run. It was mm -hmm. just processed food, fast food, junk food, tons of meat and dairy. That was my life. What were you told when you were told that you had stage three cancer? How did they kind of break it to you? I'm always fascinated by these stories because every cancer patient has their story of how they were told and how they responded. I mean, what was that like for you? Well, for me, it was a phone call. I had, I'd been having abdominal pain most of the, you know, for the better part of the, of the year <clears throat> and eventually had a colonoscopy in December. And then they saw a golf ball sized tumor biopsy that sent it to the lab, called me, you know, first thing in the morning, a day or so later and said, you know, you're positive for colon cancer and we got to get you into surgery right away uh, before this thing spreads and kills you. Hmm. So, and and after you got your diagnosis, you opted out of the treatment that they presented for you. How did you overcome that fear? Because I, I think a lot of us, when we get there and we start to analyze our choices, there's some fear with going outside of that norm, that normal path that most people go. Or I'm always fascinated by the fact that you you did this because it's like Sarah and I talk about all the time. You're in that fight or flight mm -hmm. where you're just so traumatized. At least we were to where I was just like, just tell me what to do and I'm going to do it, you know, but to step outside of that, like Sarah said, is like super interesting to me. So how did you get there? I mean, was that an immediate thought for you that I'm just not comfortable with this? No, no. The immediate, my immediate reaction was, you know, confusion, <laughs> right? I was sort of dumbfounded by the diagnosis. It, it just, it was hard to believe, you know, I just, so it, it took, you know, it took some time just to process, like, this is my life now. Like, I have this potentially fatal disease, and I've got to, you know, I'm, I'm getting sucked into the medical care 
world when when cancer patients are first diagnosed i mean yeah there's this whirlwind of of the diagnosis the stress and the fear and the trauma of that moment in your life and then the rush rush urgency and confusion right of like you got to do this next and here we go we're about to start treatment you need to have surgery you know patients are rushed into treatment out of fear mm-hmm. and you can't make a good decision when you're in a state of fear you can't make a, a wise, rational, reasonable, logical decision when you're in a state of fear, worry, anxiety, and panic. And that is the state that cancer patients are in when they say yes to X, Y, or Z treatment. So I had surgery on December 30th. They took out the tumor. And when I woke up, they said, it's worse than we thought. You're stage 3C and you're going to need nine to 12 months of chemotherapy. So that was the first thing that happened. While I was in the hospital, the first meal they served me was a sloppy joe. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so that was a bit of a a bit of an eye opener and then a few days later they they gave me clearance to go home and my surgeon came in to check on me one last time and and I happened to say, "Hey, is there any food I need to avoid?" And and the reason I asked is because yeah, I was I was wanting to take care of myself. I was wanting to make sure I sort of did everything right and and helped myself recover. And I didn't want to make some bad decision and screw up the surgery, you know, like, you know, I just didn't know what he would say, right? Is right. he going to tell me mm-hmm. like, oh, don't have hot sauce for six weeks or, you know, whatever, <laughs> right. right? you know, the, his response was, no, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Oh, mm. Interesting. I mean, we have a lot of patients, we talk about it often, how they're encouraged to go to like hit the fast food line after chemotherapy to keep their strength up or or, the, or increase their weight if they're losing too much weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Or, you know, hey, you seem stressed, go have some wine and just relax. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I've said it often just because of the series that we're in now, but it seems to me that the conversation should have been like, listen, this really sucks, but essentially you need to act as though you're an alcoholic diabetic from here on out, you mm-hmm. know? And it just doesn't happen. And I think it's fascinating to your point. It's like if we're in health care or wellness, you know, diet should be a huge part of that, I would think. So basically, I, I converted to a raw food diet overnight. So I bought a juicer, went to Whole Foods, loaded up the cart with vegetables and fruit and a 25-pound bag of carrots and immediately started. And I started making carrot juice every morning. Uh, 64 ounces of carrot juice, which I would drink throughout the day. I started making giant salads, bowls full of vegetables, not like lettuce, tomato, and, you know, ranch dressing, broccoli, (laughs) cauliflower, kale, cabbage, onions, mushrooms, peppers, bean sprouts, garlic, oregano, turmeric, cayenne pepper, sauerkraut, olive oil, apple cider vinegar. And it's just this incredible, delicious, savory like concoction. It's called it now it's, you know, it's become known as the giant cancer fighting salad. It's <laughs> on the cover of my cookbook, which is called Beat Cancer Kitchen. And I realized like, wow, this is really good. And it seems really healthy. And I think I could probably eat this every day. And maybe I should eat it twice a day, every day, because any other meal would be less potent mm-hmm. than this. This is the most potent anti-cancer meal I can devise. And so I just need to eat this. Is it because these are such nutrient-dense foods that you think they were healing? Or is it because it's low sugar and you were controlling your insulin resistance? Or do you think it's more because of the nutritious density of the food or a combination of both? What are your Uh, thoughts on that? It's not the low sugar. 
No. For sure. It's not the low sugar, low glutamine. But see, the big the big cancer fuels are animal protein and fat. Glutamine being one of them, but methionine is another big one. Leucine is another big amino acid in animal food that fuels cancer growth. So the absence of animal food is very important because animal protein fuels cancer growth. And uh, I have an article on my website called The Animal Protein Cancer Connection. And there's 15 different ways that animal protein contributes to cancer growth from heme iron to saturated fat to raising IGF-1 to the amino acids, like I mentioned, methionine, glutamine, leucine, to the heterocyclic amines and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons that are formed when you cook animal food that are carcinogenic, to the nitrates that are found in processed meats. It's just a long list and there's no benefit. There's, there's virtually nothing in animal food that is anti-cancer. There's one compound they've isolated that is an anti-cancer compound. It is outweighed by all mm-hmm. of the other <laughs> pro-cancerous compounds. So did you immediately food. go, you, no meat right out of the gate? Or did oh, that yeah. take time? Absolutely. Yes. No, okay. all <laughs> raw, all raw fruits and vegetables. Man, that's all. how much did you have to consume in order to feel like satisfied? Or was it what you wouldn't expect, which is that when you start eating healthy, you don't feel like you need all that. It's just easy. Yeah. It just, you know, the first few days are, are weird when you adopt a raw food diet. It's you're just because you're, you suffer withdrawal. You suffer withdrawal from caffeine, from, uh, you know, high sugar, from animal protein and fat, like, and, and from like casomorphine, like the compounds in cheese and dairy that are addictive. So the first couple of days you feel weird, plus your digestive system's like, whoa, what's with all this fiber? But then after you get over that hump, you start feeling really good. So between drinking juices every hour or so, vegetable juices, and then two giant salads, maybe snacking on an apple or something, like I was good. I had tons of energy. My congestion cleared up. I was sleeping really well. I felt great. I want to hear more about that. But before we do that, you want to do boobs in the news? Let's do it. All right. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News! Boobs in the News! Boobs in the News! Okay, so these are funny funny tweets. Okay. First, I have to say, the grammar on some people when they tweet is really funny. I wonder if they talk like this in real life. Because I look at her picture and I'm like, I mean... Is this coming from you who says complimentary? <laughs> Shh! <laughs> complimentary. I'm working on it, all right? Uh... Okay, so these are funny tweets, and the title of this is Funny and Relatable Tweets About Airport Security. Oh, okay, great. Okay, I mean, because we all have our funny things that we try to do. Okay, so first, this is from Jamie Flyne. I think when I finally die and go to hell, it's going to be a constant loop of waiting in the airport security line hungover. (laughs) Yeah, that's never fun. That's never fun. Okay, I hope... Oh, this is from... That's when you do a hair of the dog thing. Yeah. You double down. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, but the bar's on the other side of security. Yeah, that's true. You got to get through security first. <laughs> yeah. So this is from a name I can't say, Hughes. I hope the TSA agent who made me open my sandwich and move the pickles around feels <laughs> super stupid. In the end, it was a sandwich. It was her first day of work. She's like, yeah. I want to show them that I am legit hardcore. Like, Has you Have you ever been stopped be for no something? There will be no pickle unturned. How do you go through line with your food and the security? Again, is you it- can be in your backpack. Yeah, I, I've taken snacks on and I had meat sticks and they pulled me over because they thought my meat sticks were dynamite. 
yeah. some thin dynamite. Yeah, I know. Or some big beast. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. There was literally no one else at airport security, so I grabbed a few extra bins and really lived for once. Hmm. I don't know what that means. Like, they went through? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they just like every item got its own bin. But that's like hard to that's hard to maneuver. Yeah. I hate having extra bins. Like they're always oh, like, know. can you take your purse out and put it in yeah. a separate bin? And, yeah. Or can and you, you got like computer- 20 bins? Yeah. Can you take your computer out of your bag yeah. and put it in a separate bin? I'm yeah. like, how many bins? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I dream of a day we will all be TSA pre-check, thus defeating the initial program purpose of the program. Oh, I like the one, and now I can't even find it again, but it basically said that they always play a game with themselves about how, do you do this, about how fast they can get through the TSA, like be the most efficient. Oh, it's here. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so it's kind of long. I don't simply go through airport security. I have a goal. I want everyone in line to be blown away by my efficiency. I want to be celebrated as I push my belongings across the table. I want TSA to offer me a job. I'll decline. I want people talking about me at their gate. Glory. (laughs) I mean, I when I get dressed before I go to the airport, I'm like, okay, what can I take off quickly and put back on quickly? Oh, yeah. Well, now that I'm like fully encased for my lymphedema oh. on my left side, I know that I'm going to get patted down every single time. Really? Yeah, they wipe me with the cotton swab to check for residue of, I guess, explosives. I don't know what that does. That you would be hiding in your lymphedema in, in sleeve? In my lymphedema sleeve. Oh, and then my they, Lord. And they like pat me down and then they're like, you know, they're asking me questions and it's like every single time interesting and i have to go through that like naked scanner you know Uh yeah you put your hands above your head and they can doesn't everybody or no well i'm saying don't you think they'd be able to see if i had explosives in my sleeve at that you would think yeah no i get the pat down after Mm. that maybe there's something into the sleeve that makes it look light up or something Mm. i don't know diabolical Diabolical. you know what i should do Mm. i'm gonna put a meat stick in there (laughs) 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 but don't there's your boobs Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. When you started down this path, I mean, how long did you go down this path before you started saying, okay, I want to see if my cancer's progressed anymore? Or how did you monitor the effectiveness of what you were doing? Yeah, yeah. I went to a, well, there was a lot of family pressure, you know, to do conventional. So I went to see a conventional oncologist and that meeting went really badly. And uh, he was really rude to my wife and I and condescending and intimidating and basically said, if you don't do chemotherapy, you're insane. And that's one way we to do walked it. Out of, <laughs> yeah. And, and I wasn't argumentative or anything with the guy. Like I, and 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 that's what that's what inspired that 20 questions for your oncologist guide because i accidentally just asked two questions that completely changed the the nature of our conversation and opened my eyes to what kind of person i was dealing with what what two questions cuz i i'd be curious to know if they're the same ones that i highlighted <laughs> the, they probably aren't okay. the first question was are there any alternative therapies available yeah, I could see just that innocent would... question. Yeah, you know, and he said, "No, if you don't do chemotherapy, you're insane." Okay. Like just like that, Jeez. just just like flipped a switch. Mm-hmm. And then the other question was, well, "What about the raw food diet? Can I can I do that?" And because I was already I'd been on it for a week mm-hmm. and I was feeling good, and he said, "No, you can't do that. It'll fight the chemo." Just sort oh. of this weird, dismissive. Yeah, that's an statement. interesting stance. Yeah. That eating a very whole, oh wow point is that the the appointment went badly it went it 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 went south we left he still managed to convince me to do chemo because I went to the desk on the way out and and made an appointment to get a port put in 
I was just in such a state of shock and fear. And, you know, I had been coerced by him. And uh, because, you know, the message was like, if you don't do this, you're going to die. Which is everybody's fear. And and I think it's important to note that you did that because there's so many instances where we talk to women going through breast cancer and they're like, oh, am I making the right choice? And they kind of oscillate back and forth. And I think they get a lot of insecurity about the fact that they're not like, I can't stick to a path and I don't feel confident in it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you don't feel like well, you it's... have a race, a horse in the race, right? Like yeah. I don't, I'm not an oncologist. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you're, you're looking at them as the expert. And so it yeah. feels very risky mm-hmm. to go on a gut instinct or to, you know, Chris, I did a lot of prayer about what I should do. And that gave me a lot of confidence. And it's like people, but people feel very anxious about that, you know, and then you've got people second guessing your choices all the time mm-hmm. and family pressuring you and, and all kinds of things. So I'm, I'm really kind of amazed that you were able to just you know, somehow well, there's reasons. Thank you. Yeah. There's reasons for it. I mean, one, you should definitely pray. You, you need to have peace about your next steps, whether it's chemo or not, right? Mm-hmm. You need to have peace. You don't need to be doing something you don't have peace about. And so for some people, maybe treatment is the best, but one of the reasons I, I created that 20 questions for your oncologist guide is because if you don't ask the right questions, you don't get all the information and you cannot make an informed decision. You cannot make a wise decision that's fully informed with the information that's given to you by mm-hmm. an oncologist because they don't give you enough. They don't tell you. I mean, one of the questions, it's like, it seems so obvious, and but patients don't ask. A lot of them don't ask. Will this treatment cure my cancer? Yeah. Yes or no? Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's, like, actually... that's the number one question. But you know, and patients yeah. are afraid to ask it and doctors dance around it. So doctors like to say in their presentation, which is a sales pitch, well, you know, we have this these this combination of drugs that's shown to be highly effective t- for your type of cancer, right? Or there's a brand new drug that's shown to be highly effective for your type of cancer. And see, the doctors love to use this word highly effective, right? And the patient hears highly effective and they equate that with cure. Yeah. But highly effective doesn't mean cure. Highly effective means it shrunk a tumor, right? For some period of time. Like right now, I'm, I was shocked the other day to find out that only 7% of research goes to metastatic disease. And when you're talking about, is this palliative or is this curative? You're right. A lot of people think that chemo has the chance to cure them. And, the, you know, and, and so it's it's really kind of a tricky conversation to, to be having with people, right? Because they're thinking one thing. And like you said, the verbiage is something else. And But I think it's all based in, in fear. Like for me, when I was diagnosed, I was an avoidance person. I didn't want to approach anything that was really terrifying or scary. It was like by ignoring it, it didn't exist. And I think you're dealing with like such a a mental state issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people like yourself who are, and Sarah's the same way. It's like knowledge is power, right? Mm-hmm. You can't make an informed decision unless you know all those things. I know that logically. I know that I can't make an informed decision if I don't know everything. But then the idea of knowing everything is so terrifying. Mm-hmm. If you're listening and you feel frozen with fear to ask those questions, I get it. I relate. I was that same way. I really think that's where family and caregivers can be a support because they can be kind of your ally that can look at the hard things and give them the questions give and have them, the, them have them ask yeah. them and yeah. have them do some research right because you're not always in the mental state to to handle that at that at that juncture you know yeah, and it's that, true yeah and i'm i'm really curious so you said that before you were diagnosed you were kind of this hustler you were doing all the things but it sounds like you added to your plate 
now you've got big salads to make every day and you're juicing every morning, which is not quick and easy. What did you do for your mental health and what did you do with your lifestyle when you added all yeah, of this was to stress, your plate? I mean, did you remove stress from your life? Did you try to pare that down? Yeah, actually, I just simplified my life a lot. You know, everybody eats every day. So I just changed <laughs> what I was eating. So that didn't add any stress. And making the juice just meant getting up a little earlier to run my juicer. So that that wasn't stressful. And I wanted to do it. But the daily routine was very simple and sustainable. And that was hmm. that's what's so important. In your, in your work consulting with patients and in, in what you do now, first of all, do you believe that a stage four cancer patient can heal their body once they're stage four? With food, oh yeah, with yeah. Food. I've interviewed, I've interviewed number a number of people who've healed stage four cancers. You can go to crispycancer.com, go type in the search bar, type stage four. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed stage four pancreatic, stage four colon, stage four liver and lung. I mean, yeah, lots of stage four survival ovarian. So yes, absolutely. I've seen it. I was just going to say, I have a question for you. So like in your mind, what would a perfect situation? I mean, do you feel like this is something that's going to have to be driven by patients? The system's broken. It's not going to change on its own. There's no money in it. It has to be driven by the patient. Or is there a world that you can foresee where they actually start pairing these lifestyle choices with the current system? I mean, what do you, what do you, what would be your yeah. dream scenario here? Well, integrative oncology is expanding. The system is improving slowly, you know, doctor, one doctor at a time, uh, you know, I'm seeing it. Doctors are shifting away from the conventional medicine to functional and integrative medicine. They're putting an emphasis on nutrition and lifestyle and non-toxic interventions, right? The going back to the Hippocratic oath, first do no harm. And so that's encouraging, but you have to remember there's billions and billions of dollars at stake and you can't make billions of dollars on fruits and vegetables, right? You've got to push the drugs and the pharmaceutical industry has such a stranglehold on our public policy, government agencies, the the AMA, the CDC, the FDA, and, and the entire medical uh, university, medical education system. All doctors are trained to do is memorize human anatomy and then memorize drugs for disease right like memorize which drug for which disease like that's that's what being a doctor is you know and of course you can specialize in surgery and different things but but generally it's like a doctor of internal medicine what is internal medicine that's a fancy term for drugs you're a doctor of drugs mm-hmm. and so I don't have a whole lot of faith that the system will change. And my my mission is not to change the system. My mission is to empower patients to take control of their health. And and the beautiful thing is that the most the most powerful things you can do for yourself to help yourself heal cost you next to nothing. Well, that's kind of where I want to, before we kind of wrap up with what your final words are to patients and maybe some encouragement, because what I'm hearing from you is that whether you have stage four cancer or whether you're in treatment currently or whether you're suffering from side effects from treatment, that food can do a lot to reverse the damage is what I'm hearing. But before we kind of wrap up and your final words for patients listening, let's go to our second sponsor. Thriven is a proud sponsor of Faith Through Fire. Thriven believes money is a tool and not a goal. 
The Gateway Financial Group with Thrivent is local to the St. Louis area and can work with you to create a financial strategy that reflects your priorities and helps you protect the things that matter to you, like family and giving back. Please call 314-783-4214 to schedule a free consultation with one of Thrivent's Gateway Financial Advisors. All right, we are back um, from our second sponsor. Chris, what words do you want to leave listeners with? Well, you have to understand uh, that you're not a victim of disease. You have to get out of victimhood. Uh, and the, the cancer industry uh, thrives on victimhood. The cancer industry and the medical industry need you to believe that you are a powerless victim of disease, that nothing you did contributed to your current situation. And if that's true, then also nothing. there's nothing you can do to really help yourself get well. Your only hope is a drug therapy or a surgical procedure, right? Your only hope is your doctor. And so you just make sure you show up for your appointments and you cross your fingers and hope for the best. And that's a lie. It's, a, it's, it's false. We know that most chronic Western diseases, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, multiple sclerosis, autoimmune diseases... Most of them are caused by our diet and lifestyle choices. Guess what that means? That means you have agency, you have responsibility, and you have power over your life and your future. It means that your choices matter. The choices that you make every day either promote health or they promote disease. That's choosing what to put in your mouth, choosing how to think, choosing how to act and react, Choosing what to do with your body, to exercise or to be lazy <laughs> and sedentary, right? The, the incredible thing is that all of these choices compound. All of these positive changes and good choices that you make add up over time to produce big results, right? So small changes produce big results over time. And it's really important that you optimize your daily routine to nourish your body, to strengthen your body's ability to heal cancer and other diseases, and then you stay the course. So I like to say you point your ship toward healthy island, and it's going to get knocked off course, but it's okay. You just point your ship back toward healthy <laughs> island, right? Anyway, I can, you know, I can talk for hours and hours, but I want to say one more thing. <laughs> Forgiveness is really, really big. It's huge. And one thing that I decided to do is I decided to forgive every person who had ever hurt me. Because when you are carrying anger and bitterness and resentment, those are toxic emotions. They're stress-producing, immunosuppressive, inflammatory emotions. And getting mad at somebody one day is not going to give you cancer. But carrying anger for years, right? Carrying bitterness for years will make you sick. It will suppress your immune system. And we, we forgiveness. I was going to say we've, heals. yeah, we've, we've talked about, it's a big thing at faith through fire because we see a lot of people come through the program who have encountered some sort of trauma and then they get diagnosed right. with cancer. And it's not coincidence, right? They're emotionally right. upset or stressed, and then their body reacts accordingly. So mm -hmm. I think forgiveness kind of is woven right in there with it, right? If you have all these, all this unforgiveness and toxicity and emotional baggage, 
and trauma sitting there that you don't resolve, it's going to manifest itself physically. And we see it constantly. I mean, and that's the part of science that I'm shocked we haven't incorporated into holistic treatment is the emotional aspects of the disease. There, so. There is a contingent of scientific research that is focused on this and is moving in that direction on stress reduction, on faith and forgiveness in terms of disease prevention and even cancer survival. So there's some progress happening, which is good. But here's the thing. Forgiveness sounds hard, but it's not. Like you can do it. It's just a decision that you make when you just say, God, I don't want to forgive this person, but I'm choosing to, right? I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to let it go. I'm choosing to give it to you. They're all yours. Mm -hmm. That's the forgiveness prayer. It's so simple, right? You're just like, I am letting you have this. I'm giving you my anger and my resentment. I'm just, I'm letting it go. I'm not going to carry this anymore. I'm not going to entertain these emotions anymore. And I'm casting them out. Right. And uh, so anyway, I know we've gone over time and thanks no, for- that's um, okay. Thank uh, you so much for being me, here. But, thank you for yeah. sharing your experience and everybody- crispycancer.com and thank you so much Chris thank you it's been a pleasure alright until next time guys see ya thank you for being a listener of the besties with breasties podcast if this podcast had a positive impact on your journey leave us a review or consider becoming a supporter you can donate with the link in the show notes or at faiththroughfire.org this episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies Innovative Frequencies